Amen. Praise his name that devil that was arrested. We're going to open up to Corinthians. First Corinthians, we'll get there in just a moment. But I honestly believe that uh, this morning and today, it's all amazing to me that we can come together to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. That this is not something we hope for. This is something we really owe is truth today. I want to continue to worship the Lord this morning as we prayerfully understand the amazing power found in his resurrection. But before I do, i got to ask a little confession time. Did anybody raid any Easter baskets before they were given to the children? Raise your hand nice and high. Anyone at all? One honest person in the whole bunch. The altars are going to be full. Oh, somebody else raised a hand. Who else? Somebody point over, oh, over here. Okay. That, that was like this kind of hand raise, like. Kind of did. How many of you ate some candy after you filled the baskets? So you didn't actually raid the basket, but you ate candy that would have gone in the basket had you not eaten it. Okay, yeah, that's where my hand needs to go up right there. You know what you're doing? Jelly beans, right? One for them and one for you, right? That's how that works. And so, no, we are so thankful you're here with us this morning. And as we celebrate his resurrection today, it is all good to celebrate with giving, exchanging of Easter baskets and all those things that we do that are family traditions But more important than any of that is the reality of why we celebrate this day. And I love what Greg said in his prayer, that the celebration of the resurrection doesn't start and end with today. It goes every day. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, every single day of your life is a day of celebration that he rose from the dead. Because the truth is, the reality is, that Christ was hung on a tree for our sins, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and arose on the third day according to the scriptures. He gave himself a sacrifice for our sins. And his rising from the grave is the proof that the Father God received that sacrifice as sufficient for a payment for our sins. I want to start by saying that greater than anything else offered to us in this life, the gospel of Christ is the most life-changing purpose-finding, joy-discovering gift ever given. If you are sitting here today and you want purpose for your life, you want direction and guidance, it starts with receiving Christ as your Savior. And when you find the gospel and the life-changing power within, you will have purpose for your life as never before. You will have clear direction on who God is and what he has for you. And it won't be for the rest of your life, but you'll have purpose for today. And then the next day, and the next day. And he'll show you little by little as you grow in him and he has more of you, he'll show you his ways. And the joy that you will experience is beyond anything you can imagine. But here's the reality. In Christ, there will be trials. There will be struggles. There will be issues and problems because guess what? That's just life. The world is a crazy place, and life can be messy. And that's the amazing thing about his grace, is it doesn't pretend that everything is great. God says, in the messiness of all this stuff, I'm going to get down on my hands and knees. I'm going to get down in it with you, and I'm going to show you my grace. Man, he came to this earth to show us his love. The Bible tells us that Christ demonstrated his love to us, in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Not when you cleaned yourself up and you made yourself look good. I I tell you what, Easter, man, everybody looks good on Easter, right? 
I mean, I was looking around today, I was like, man, y'all clean up kind of nice. I like the little matching couples I see every now and then. I'll see a pink shirt with a pink blouse, and oh, it's so nice. My wife and I decided to go pink and blue because, well, we just were like, you know, going to go against the tide. We're not going to do any of that kind of crazy. No, not really. We just didn't even talk about it this morning, to be honest with you. But I thought about wearing pink just to match her, but then I thought, no, I'm not going to be that couple. I mean, you could be that couple. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. <laughs> For me, I didn't want to be that couple. But you know what? Sometimes, we don't have matching hoodies, by the way. There's a couple in our church that has matching hoodies, and they are not shy about the color. Let me just leave it at that. So if you're wondering who they are, I won't give you their initials or anything, but Dave and Ann Rumry can tell you, they have got some nice hoodies, man. I'll tell you what, bright orange and green. I think it's because Dave's afraid that Ann's going to leave him one day, and he's going to be able to find her in a crowd. So she can't get away. He's, oh, I got her. She's right there. No, we are so glad you're here. But listen, one of the things we struggle with in this world is we try to think we got to clean ourselves up to come to God. And we got to get all this stuff figured out before we can come to him. But he says, no, no, no. Man, just come as you are. He loves you so much. You can come to him just as you are. But he loves you so much, he won't leave you where you are. See, some churches, they got this little twist. They think, oh, you can just live how you want and do what you want and come to God whenever you want, and it's all good. God's cool with your sin. God is not okay with your sin. He's so much not okay with it that Christ died for it as a payment for it. And you are now free. We just declared and proclaimed the freedom we have in Christ. Sin has no power over you. In Christ, you have been made new, the Bible says. And this is the greatest truth that God has ever shared with us. However, if we're being honest, in our world today, if you believe what I just said as truth, you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you believe that without him there is no way to salvation, that you need Christ in your life to receive him by faith, to be saved, to spend eternity with him in heaven. If you believe those things as truth, some in the world today will call you a fool. Or that you are foolish or childish to believe in such a simple fairy tale. You see, today is not only Easter, it's also April Fool's. I'm going to have to say, I saw something on Facebook. I saw a meme on Facebook that I loved, and I had to share this morning. So those guys are going to put that up for me. I love this. I don't know if you can read all that. So give me a minute to read that through. Okay. That's good right there. That's truth. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, I grew up playing pranks on April Fool's. Did anybody else grow up playing pranks on maybe with your parents or your siblings? Raise your hand. Okay. Did any of you play a prank and then as soon as it happened, you realized it was a bad idea? Okay, hands go up, of course, yeah. We used to always, uh, when, when I was growing up with my, my older brother and I, when we were younger, we used to pull pranks on my mom and... Uh, I thought they were hilarious pranks, but she didn't find them so funny. Um, we stopped playing pranks when I was probably about, it's probably about eight, right around eight years old. My brother was about 10 years old, and we decided we had an ingenious idea to saran wrap the toilet <laughs> under the toilet seat. So we saran wrapped the bowl, and then we put the seat down. She did not think that was funny. <laughs> I was dying because we got up like an hour before she did, and we went in there and did all this, and then we're sitting in our, like, in the living room just waiting. 
And sure enough, she gets up. We hear her door open. We hear the bathroom door open. We hear the bathroom door close. And then we heard some things that I, don't, I can't repeat because we're in church. <laughs> and we, listen, I don't know if any, did you guys get spanked when you were a kid? We got spanked when I was a kid. It wasn't considered child abuse back then. Um, we, we didn't sit good comfortable for a while. You know what I mean? We were, <laughs> uh, went to school the next day. They were like, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, I got her good, man. Oh, but she got me better. Oh, Okay. <laughs> We all, we all like good pranks. But in the world today, if you tell someone you're a follower of Christ, they look at you like a fool. And this morning, I'm going to go a little bit different direction than maybe what you were expecting for Easter. But, but today I believe that we will leave deciding to be one of two types of fools. You will be a fool in some sense. And you have to decide Maybe not what kind of fool, but whose fool you'll be. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 17. I encourage you, if you, if you have a Bible today, thank you so much for bringing that today. We, we want to get into the Word of God and see what God's Word has for us. If you don't have a Bible, uh, on our app I talked about, you can get the Bible through that app. You can go to the Welcome Center today and pick one up. We want you to have God's Word for yourself uh, because God's Word changes lives. If you came here to hear a pastor give you his opinion, then you're going to be sorely misled. But if you came to hear from the word of God today, I believe we can all be blessed. And so, because this is where the power is found. Listen to what God's word says in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, some of you maybe grew up in a church where they preached and taught that baptism is part of salvation. I hear the Apostle Paul seems to declare quite the opposite. You see, baptism is a symbol that a believer in Christ performs. Baptism is something we do after salvation to declare that we are saved. It's not part of salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone. Christ plus nothing is salvation. But Paul says here, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. Man, the Apostle Paul is sharing some serious truth with us here. And he says, listen, to those that don't know Christ, to those that are in the world, those that are unbelievers, they look at the cross of Christ as foolishness. It's silliness. It means nothing. It's the same as believing in any other fairy tale that maybe we grew up as children believing in. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth which is a city of great commerce and wealth in, a Roman, in the Roman Empire. It was a port city and had a mix of various people groups, religions, and philosophies. It is said culturally in Corinth that on every street corner you could find someone teaching a different kind of truth. Now this should ring true with us because today on the internet you can find a blog by anyone about anything. And everyone's an expert on everything, right? Did you ever notice this? Just because you can type on a keyboard, you become an expert on every social, theological, political issue. And somehow, because you typed it on the internet, I'm supposed to now give weight to that and believe what you say. I have no idea what your credentials are or why you're com- where you're coming from, but I'm supposed to believe it now just because it's on the internet. Because everything on the internet is true, right? Everything. Even the contradictions. Somehow, magically, it's all true. And in today's world, there is a different idea of truth Every single time you turn around. And that's 
the same thing in Paul's day. He's writing to this young church, this new church in a city of wealth, but also a city of great sin. It would be kind of comparable to Vegas in our understanding in that it is just a, a kind of a place where, listen, all sin is everywhere, right? Like there's no Vegas and there is in Emily City. It's not, that's not how it works. Sin is sin and it's everywhere in our world today. But in Vegas, when I was out there this last, uh, last summer, I talked to some people there and they said, you know, it's amazing. Sin is everywhere, but in Vegas, sin is approved. Is what they kind of said. They said, here, it's like people come here to sin. People come here to just live it up because it's Vegas. That's Corinth. That's where Paul's writing to. And he says, listen, when you have all these different ideas and philosophies and opinions and you stand for Christ, people are going to call you foolish. It is to this church that Paul declares that when you live in the power of the cross, those who are wise in this world will not understand and even consider it foolish. I believe we can understand there's two types of fools in the world today based on what we read in God's word. And you have to decide whose fool are you going to be? Whose fool am I going to be? We are going to be a fool in some sense. You see, there's a fool in the eyes of the world. To, be, to say it this way, they think the joke's on us. In the world today, if you claim to be a follower of Christ and have trusted in his gospel for eternal security, you are foolish. Wisdom in the world today is doing it in your own strength and getting all you want, no matter what it takes. It's wisdom today. Get all the toys you can. Get all the stuff you can. This is even in the church. Get all the stuff because it's all about you. That's wisdom today. It's all about you. But man, when we look into the, the, the gospel of Christ and we read about his cross, we realize it's all about him. It's all about him. And when you live for him and live for others and serve others and serve God, you will be considered foolish because you might lose out on some things. You might not have all the stuff that everyone else has. That's foolish. I mean, you, you deserve it, right? I mean, you earn it, right? This is the world's philosophy. But I would encourage you, and in fact, Maybe ask you, would you gladly be a fool for Christ? The longer I live, the more I realize how much I need Christ. Amen? The longer I live, the more I realize I need him. Because the longer I live, the more I realize I don't know what I thought I knew. Amen? Two things have happened as I'm older. I feel better because I thought I knew way more and my parents are smarter because they ended up knowing more than I thought they did. And as we live in this world, we're going to find out really quickly that we need Christ every day. We need his wisdom. The longer we live, we understand our lack of power and ability to endure the difficult seasons of life. You can't just get through on your own. Man, we need him. And when I lean on him, one says that's foolish, I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. I love a quote by Warren Worsby I wanted to read this morning in regards to this passage. He said this, those who have been called by God's grace and who have responded by faith realize that Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Not, not the Christ of the manger or the temple or the marketplace, but the Christ of the cross. It is in the death of Christ that God has revealed the foolishness of man's wisdom and the weakness of man's power. And when, when you receive Christ, you realize, I don't have the strength and the power. I need 
his. One of the most amazing aspects of grace is that it doesn't matter what others say or think about you. God will do something in and through your life. God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, and it can keep going, chances. A verse that I've lived by as far as being a pastor is one that I want to reference this morning. It's one of my favorite verses found in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. It says this. If you look in there with me, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. See, to me, that's my entire call as a pastor. Because there's many days that I feel not good enough. That I feel a little too weak to get through. That I don't feel smart enough or strong enough or good enough or equipped enough to do what God is calling me to do. I just don't feel like I can. And it's those moments that I'm so thankful that God reveals to me. It's in that moment of weakness that when you call out to me, I will show you what I can do. But you know what? The world doesn't see that. Right? The world sees limitations. The world sees weakness. The world sees what you don't have. Sometimes, if you're not careful, you can listen to those voices. You can listen to those voices that want to tell you what you don't have and what you're missing. And how weak you are and how unable you are to do that. But then when you stand and say, in Christ, I can do all things because he strengthens me. Man, they look at you as a fool. But as I said, I will gladly be a fool for Christ. Because at the end of the day, I need him. And it is not foolish to admit our lack. It is foolish to understand our lack and do nothing about it. You see, the first kind of fool is in the world's eyes. When you trust in Christ, the second type of fool is a fool in God's eyes. You see, Satan wants to pull the greatest prank of all time. He wants you to believe that after life, there is nothing. No heaven, no hell, no afterlife, just nothing. Or he wants you to believe that there is a heaven and everyone goes there, no matter what they actually believe in this life. The Barner Research Group says that the number of people who believe that everyone goes to heaven or all religions basically teach the same thing is on the rise. Almost 50% of those surveyed in America believe those two statements I just said. Almost 50% of Americans believe everyone goes to heaven or all religions teach basically the same thing. Among them, they also believe that Islam and Christianity basically worship the same God. They just call them two different things. This is our world today. Truth is not absolute. It's whatever you want to believe. And the enemy, Satan himself, is trying to pull the biggest April fool on you that he can imagine. It's to get you to believe that you're not good enough, that God could never do anything with you, that you're worthless, that you don't need God because you're good enough on your own. Whatever the lie might be, however it might fit for you, he is pulling a prank, and so many of us are falling for it every day. And we end up believing the lie and living as a fool. Paul continues to warn those in the church at Corinth with another warning in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. I'll read it just quickly. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. 
Listen to verse 4 again. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I see two keys here in this verse. Satan blinding the eyes of the unbelievers, pulling the wool over their eyes, if you will. But also I see where it is the obligation of those that know the gospel to go and preach or proclaim the truth so that the eyes of those who have been blinded might be opened by Christ. And if you know Christ today, if you've received him as your personal Lord and Savior, then today is an amazing day. Today is the day that you celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And you glorify him and you raise him up. But there are so many people in your sphere of influence, in your community, in your family, in your workplace, at your school, that today is nothing more than chocolate bunnies and Easter baskets. And maybe for you sitting here today, all Easter really is, is chocolate bunnies and Easter baskets. And I am not against chocolate bunnies or Easter baskets. But it's so much more than that. And what's so tragic is that there are so many people that have bought the lie, fell for the prank. And we live in that. The Bible says that foolish is the man that has said in his heart, there is no God. And I want you to know my heart and my prayer all week has been that if you don't know Christ, that you will come to know him this morning. Not because you need to be Baptist or this or that, but because you want to know what it is to have your sins forgiven. To know what it is to have peace with God. To know what it is to experience the love and grace of God in our lives. And to live in a way that would please him and bring glory to him. Some of us, we think that in Christianity, there's more rules and regulations and bondage. And I want to be free. I want to do what I want when I want. Listen, if you are in the world and you are not in Christ, you are not free. You are in bondage to that sin. You are in bondage to that desire within. And you cannot, will not overcome it in your own strength. But let me tell you, in Christ, and I can't explain it any other way than just looking back on what God did in my life and in the life of my family. I mean, you want to talk about a family that had some issues. We put the fun in dysfunctional. You know what I'm saying? I mean, my dad left when I was under two years old. My mom was a raging alcoholic and was a bartender. We grew up in the east side of Detroit, Six Mile and Gratiot area. I've said it before with my testimony. I remember days opening the refrigerator and seeing nothing but a thing of water in there. And this would be for days because my mom's addiction controlled everything and every dollar we had either went to her, uh, her smoking addiction or her alcohol addiction. I mean, I'm telling you, we had a messed up childhood. And when I first was introduced to Jesus Christ, I remember thinking there's no way he would ever want me. The stuff I had done, the things I had said, look at my family. We're not the Christian family. But you know what? It was a, an encounter with Christ and his grace that changed all of that. I received Christ at 16 at Camp Chautauqua, Miamisburg, Ohio. That same summer, I was baptized. My younger brother and I were baptized together. He had received Christ at five. My mom received Christ or rededicated her life about a year later after that. 
walked away from addiction the whole nine. My stepdad received Christ in 2003. And now my family knows Christ. And it's not because of me. It's not because of some preacher or pastor or person. It's because of the changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm, I'm pleading with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm also asking you, man, stop falling for the prank. Open your eyes. Man, if there's anything our world needs, it's people that know Christ. Now, I'm not talking about these Christians that go to church and judge everybody and condemn everybody else, protest everything they can protest. Man, we don't need that. Man, what we need are people that say, I will stand for truth even when the world thinks it's foolish. I'm going to love my enemies and pray for them. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself and serve them in whatever way I can. Man, you want to talk about global change, that's where it starts. I'm going to make disciples of all nations because I know the power of Christ. And I want others to experience this. You know, it's amazing to me how easily we fall for Satan's tricks. How easily we are the fools. But you don't have to be. With so much love as I can say, open your eyes. You can choose Christ today. You don't have to live your life a victim of the prank of the enemy. Stop following blindly the winds of this world or the pull of that addiction. Hear the cry of our Savior this morning who desires to know you and for you to be known of him. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Think about that for a moment. To know God is one thing, but to be known of God. For the God of all creation to know you and to love you and to care for you. Do you ever realize that when you cry out to him, he hears you in Christ? And he answers you? Like how crazy is that that the God of all creation, the God that spoke everything into existence, hears me when I pray because of Christ and his love for me. And then he answers me. Like that doesn't blow your mind. Nothing will. And you might say, come on, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. God is so good. Yesterday. Yesterday. Now, let me say it again. Yesterday. Sandra and I were talking about some things, going over some finances. Anybody like going over your finances? If you raise your hand, you got enough money, you're not worried about it. I'm on the other end of that spectrum. You know what I'm saying? We're like praying, okay, look, not going to add up, but please make it work out. And we're going through some finances, and she looked at me and she said, hey, this is kind of what we need to be able to take care of this responsibility. And so she, I didn't know it. She kind of prayed on her own and just said, Lord, okay, would you just take care of this? And we went about our day. This morning, walking in the door, someone hands me an envelope and says, hey, someone told me to give this to you. And all it said was, hey, I got a little extra in a check, and I felt the Lord leading me to give this to you. I just want you to have this. And I open it up. And you know what it is? It's going to cover exactly what needed to be covered so that we'll be on time. That is not me. And see, this is the issue. We don't, I don't think we believe God does this stuff anymore. So we pray half-hearted prayers. And we believe the lie of the enemy that God is just this God up in heaven looking to strike us down when we screw up. That is not our God. He's saying, no, no, let me show you my love for you. Let me show you how I want to work in and through you and do this great work in your life. And the world might say, you're not good enough. 
and you can't do it. And that's when you just look right in the world's face and you say, you know what, I can't do it, but my God can. And you get up the next morning and you keep focused on him and you keep believing his word and you stop falling for the pranks of the enemy. Do you know what Satan wants you to do? Satan wants you to live in defeat. And Christ says, no, 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 you are a son and daughter of God. You are no longer a slave to fear because you are a child of God. God loves you so much that he did all that was necessary for you to be forgiven of your sins and to spend eternity with God in heaven. I know it sounds foolish. How can a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago possibly have anything to do with my sin and connection to God today? It sounds foolish. It sounds too easy, right? I mean, we've got to do something. It's not just believing. We've got to do something. I've got to go to church or get baptized or give a tithe check. And I mean, we take your tithe check. That's fine. But you don't have to do that. That was a joke, by the way. I mean, we will take your tithe check, but I was kind of throwing that in there. Did I mention we'll take that tithe? I'm just kidding. Uh, man, I remember witnessing to a guy for 45 minutes, and you know what the one thing he couldn't understand was? It wasn't that he was a sinner. Man, he was well aware of his sin. In fact, he told me when he left home at 16, his objective was to sin as much as possible. That was his goal. When I met him, he was about 23, looked like he was 43. Drugs and alcohol just ravaged his body. And he said, you know what, I know I've sinned. I am not unaware of my sin. But you know, the one thing he couldn't understand is that he kept saying, it can't be this easy. It cannot be that easy that all the stuff I had done can be erased with just me saying in my heart, believing Christ died for me, receiving that and surrendering my life. It cannot, I got to do something. And the answer that me and my friend David try to give him understand is, no, 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 it's just that easy. And that's why it has to be that easy. Because apart from that, if it was up to me and my works, when we got to heaven, we could compare notes, right? And I could say that I'm better than Jim because I did way more for him, than him for, for God. I could pick on Jim because I know that's probably not true. I mean, we're probably, I think about equal. Right? We're equal. He's a little ahead. He's a little ahead. He gave me a look like, keep going, keep going. But when it's all about grace, man, it's not about what I do for him that leads me to salvation. It's finding him in salvation, receiving that gift freely, and then living for him and proclaiming him. See, our works for God come out of our salvation. They don't earn our salvation. And so here's what I want to do this morning. It's this super simple message, I know. But I want you to come up with one answer to this question. Just, just in your mind, answer this question for yourself. Whose fool are you? Are you a fool in the eyes of the world because you dare to believe in Christ and trust in his gospel and, and believe that he really did die for your sins, was buried and rose again? Are you willing to surrender your entire life to him for whatever he has for you and be foolish in the world's eyes because you give up some things in this world? Because you're not living for yourself but for him? Or is it just too simple? Is it just too much? And really you just don't want to give up whatever you're living in. You don't want to give up your sin and and your self-reliance, and your self-righteousness, and your pride. And you would say, you know, I don't think I need God's salvation. And so you would leave this room this morning a fool in the eyes of God. And I don't know what breaks God's heart more. 
than one of his own creation in desperate need of salvation, rejecting the very thing that would save them and doing it confidently and boldly to his face. You're here because God wanted you here. Not one of you walked into this room by accident or in coincidence. You are here because God wanted you in that chair. I'll tell you, I, I've said this before. I really prayed about this message a lot. And I even told Sandra like a week ago, I said, I don't know if that's the message I'm supposed to preach. But I couldn't get away from this idea. And I want you to know, don't leave here today falling for the prank of the enemy. Don't leave here today being the fool in God's eyes. Would you, in just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation. Would you, would you believe in Christ today? Would you receive his gospel for yourself? Would you ask him into your life? Would you confess your sins before him? Ask him to save you and surrender your life to him for whatever he has for you? Will you gladly surrender all that you might receive all that he has for you? Or will you leave here today the same way you came in? And if you don't know Christ, leave as a fool in God's eyes. Man, God loves you so much. He's done everything needed for you to know him. And would you receive him today? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And we ask that you would work in our hearts and our minds during this time. Father, we ask that you would lead us and guide us. Lord, you know the cry of our heart here is that if anyone in this room doesn't know Christ, that they will not leave this place, not leave that chair they're sitting in, without opening their heart and mind to you and allowing you, the Holy Spirit, to come into their life to show them these things, that they would confess their sins just between you and them, right there in the stillness of their heart, just in prayer, that they would just cry out to you and say, God, I know I have sinned, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried in a borrowed tomb believe you rose on the third day and I believe you did all of that so that I could be forgiven of my sins I pray that you would take my life as I surrender it to you Lord God I pray that if anyone in this room prayed a prayer similar to that one or the cry of their heart was similar to that cry I pray that they would confirm that this morning by coming and sharing that with someone whether myself or someone on the stage before them and just sharing, hey, I just want you to know I received Christ today. Lord, we'd love to rejoice with them and to encourage them. Father, we pray that if you'd, or that you'd be with those of us that know Christ as our Savior. Lord, we know that in this world today, it is foolish to trust Christ. That the wisdom of this world says to trust in self and what we can do for ourselves. To be our own man. Especially in this nation, we are a nation of independence. So, Father, I pray that we would, as followers of Christ, as we battle with that, that mindset, that we would every day commit to surrender our lives, our time, our careers, our families, everything we are to you, into your hands, into your care, because you know what's best. 
that we would be followers of Christ, surrendered to you, trusting you in all things, because, Lord, sometimes life is crazy. We have these ideas of what we think is going to happen, and then something happens that we didn't expect. A phone call about a bad health situation. Another thing that we thought was going to be a for sure thing falls through. And Lord, we're left kind of wondering what in the world's happening. I pray that as followers of Christ that we would trust that you are a God of your word. You said that you would rise from the dead and you did it. And you said that because you live, we live in you. And so may we not be consumed by the cares of this world, but by the love and grace that you have for us. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in this time. And I pray that you would lead, guide, and direct. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as the band leads us in a song of invitation? What this time is for is just for you to respond. Maybe there in your seats you want to pray and just spend some time with him. Maybe you want to come forward and bend a knee at this altar and ask him to do a work in your life. Maybe you need to make a decision today to trust Christ. Or maybe you want to be baptized following salvation. Whatever it is, would you just respond to him as we worship?